so much for this time. We thank you for the day before us. Thank you for the beautiful weather, Father. You are so good to us. And Lord, we pray that your blessing be upon our church. We pray the Spirit of God would fill this place uh, this morning and your anointing would be upon us. And Father, you give us great liberty and help us to do your will. I pray, Father, you would uh, crown the invitation with victories and glorify yourself. And Lord, that's what we want. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice Romans chapter 8. We'll pick up here in verse 5. And the Bible says, And they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, um, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal man is in, at enmity against God, for he's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead to dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall he also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. Verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live at the flesh, but if we live at the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the flesh, uh, the deeds of the body, you shall live. Thank you. you may be seated. So the book of Romans can be described uh, with two thoughts, a man's condition and God's justification. And so man by nature is condemned. The Bible says that by God because he's a sinner. And it's a hopeless relation uh, with without God and man's own righteousness. Uh, he thinks he's going to be saved by his own works, his own ability, his own merits. And the Bible tells us just the opposite. It's the Lord who provided a way for man to be reconciled uh, to God. And that can only be accomplished through the cross of Calvary by the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's, it's so important, beloved, that we understand this, that it's through Christ and him alone that we have eternal life, that we have forgiveness of sins, so we have conversion. And the, the key to such a life-changing experience is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is mentioned one time in verse, uh, the first seven chapters of Romans, just one time. But here in chapter 8, the, the Bible speaks about the Spirit uh, almost 20 times. And the work of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life uh, is uh, <coughs> excuse me, what the Lord <coughs> is to creation. Not only does the Lord create the universe, he sustains it. Not only does the Holy Spirit uh, give us spiritual life, but he also sustains our spiritual life. Uh, it's, it's the work of the Spirit of God in our lives. And not only does the Holy Spirit give spiritual life to those who call upon the Lord in repentance and faith, he also sustains and keeps uh, the pre preserves those who trust the Lord. So verse 5 through 13 reveal to us the great contrast between the unregenerate mind and heart 
and those who've been converted to Christ. And let me just say this, let's stop right here. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 8 all day, and uh, this is a great chapter, and we're not going to finish it. There's so much in this chapter that we're going to dig into today. We're going to drill down. And uh, may I say this? Uh, you may be sitting here, maybe a man, maybe a woman, you may be dressed up for church and so on, but unless you've been born again by the Spirit of God, unless you've converted Christ, there's no way you're going to make it to heaven. That, that's, the, that's the need, is that we're born again, that we're converted to Christ. The Bible says in uh, chapter 3 of Acts, listen to this, repent you therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. And that's really the goal for everyone. I, I want my sins forgiven. Now man goes about it all different ways. He, he says, well, if I'm baptized as a baby, it'll wash away my original sin. The Bible never mentions original sin. That's made up by religion. The Bible says that our sins are never forgiven unless we repent and trust Christ. That's, that's the, it's the essential there. And the idea that, you know, a person can be saved by working their way to heaven, by earning heaven, by the, doing uh, what their religion teaches, it's all false. There's no validation of that in the word of God. None. And so it's so important, beloved, that we just simply Find out what the Bible says and then do it. Amen? The Bible says obeying, you know, in salvation. The idea that, you know, we have to repent, believe the gospel. God says in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9, how you turn to God from your idols to uh, serve and, uh, to live and serve the Lord. So the idea is that when you repent, and we turn to God from our idols. You say, what's an idol? It could be anything. Anything that comes between you and God is an idol. And it may be, you know, it's just not an uh, you know, idea like, you know, worshiping uh, Buddha or, uh, you know, Islam or anything like that. It, it could be simply uh, a human being, you know, relying and trusting in them. I mean, it's, it's foolish that someone would do that. But that's, that's what the Bible teaches. Uh, it could be a false god. It could be money. It could be, uh, you know, materialism. All these different things. So it's so important that we turn to God from our, our idols, from our sin, from, from the things that keep us from Christ. Turn to God from our idols to serve the living true God. And so the, the Bible clearly teaches us, and we, we're going to drill down now when, as we get into the book of Romans. And notice chapter Five, no, chapter 8, I'm sorry, verse 5, we see, first of all, the spiritual condition of the unsaved, unconverted mind. And the desire of the mind, the Bible says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. So that's a good question to ask yourself. What am I after in life? What do I mind? What am I, what am I thinking about? What, what am I, uh, you know, desiring? And well, the Bible tells us in verse 5 of chapter 8, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. So if your mind is filled up, if it's controlled by the lust of the flesh, the desire of the flesh, the, the wants of the flesh, and it's not the, the Lord, it's not the Spirit of God, it's not the things of God, you've got to put a question mark on your salvation. See, the Bible clearly tells us what, what we have to look for concerning, concerning the Bible. And so... The, the Lord distinguished people 
by whether they're saved or lost, uh, whether they belong to him or uh, they live without him. This is a clear difference between those saved and those lost. Now, although uh, there are degrees within each category, for example, some are lost and have a high standard of morality. You know, they they would never, uh, you know, compromise their morality or their discipline or their character. I would never do this thing. I would never do, you know, people can be that way and yet be lost. And uh, yet one is, uh, the Bible says, uh, one is dead to sin and does not matter how they appear outwardly. The Bible says if you are lost in sin, you're lost in sin. There's no justification for, for man. There's no, say, I know I'm lost, but. There's no but in, in the fact that you're lost. And it doesn't matter where you are. You're on the broad road to hell. You may be all the way to the right side and living right, trying to do right, and so on, and yet be lost. And on that same road, you have people who are Satanists, who, who live their lives for the devil, who are serving the devil. And they're all on the same road to destruction. So again, you, you say, well, preacher, you know, I, I know I'm lost, but there is no but. You, you, you're lost, you're lost. And it's important that you come to Christ. Either you're, you're heaven bound or hell bound. Either you're in the kingdom of, God, kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness. Either you're a child of God or a child of the, of the devil. Now the apostle states in verse 5 that those are, uh, the, who, who, excuse me, uh, states in verse 5 that those, there are those who are in the flesh. They're naturally bent towards uh, their mind and set on the flesh. And this infects uh, one's thought life, one's affections, one's emotions. Uh, they will, uh, their will and their reasoning. Again, you, you're, not, you're not saved. You don't have the spirit of God in your life. You may be religious, and that's fine, but th- that doesn't mean you're saved. And, and they may believe in God. They may be religious and moral uh, do-gooder, but still they ha- they're in the flesh. And most think the term mind the flesh means fleshly sins such as immorality, drunkenness, preoccupation to money, pride, vices. And, and uh, this includes uh, in minding the things of the flesh. But there's also uh, whatsoever the world has in mind, uh, the focus uh, of, of uh, the, the lost, the, the worshiping of the lost. And the lost soul will follow. And you may say, well, these people worship God, but that may not be true. You know, worship is, the Bible says in John 4, we must worship in spirit and in truth. It's got to be according to the word of God. And anything less than that is not true. So there are a lot of people who say they worship, but they're not. And the lost man usually uh, very religious and self-righteous. Now, some of the greatest sins of lost men are to justify themselves. Uh, Self-righteousness, excusing uh, sin, and finding fault with everyone else uh, and blind to their own need. So this is the way of a lost person. Now, notice he says uh, the second thought here in verse 6. The Bible says, be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life. And peace. So 
again, to be lost in, in, in sin, uh, notice Paul says, for to be carly minded is death. Not, not dying, but death. And the direction of carnal man is uh, away, away from God. He's not drawing to God, he's going against God. You know, this is a, a essential in chapter 4 of Romans. Paul speaks about Abraham and David, that they were saved by, by grace or saved by faith. They trusted in the Lord. And so the Bible tells us in that chapter that if you're thinking you're going to work your way to heaven, you're going to earn heaven, you're going to you know, uh, try to get to heaven by your works, you're going to fall short. It's going to be such a, uh, a failure because you're trying to earn your way to heaven. And God tells us we're not to do that. We're not to try to earn our way to heaven, but rather receive the gift of eternal life. That's what God says over and over and over in his word. Receive the gift of eternal life. And a lot of people think I've got to earn heaven, I've got to work for heaven, I've got to you know, do good, live right, and so on. You're not. Again, the Bible teaches here in verse 5 of Romans 8, but they that are in the flesh, are, excuse me, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. And again, Paul said, be carly minded, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So uh, the, the idea is that, you know, as I'm, people say, well, I'm, I'm trying to draw close to God. I'm trying to be what God wants me to be. If they're not saved, they're going away from God because they're trying to justify and think that they're saved. They had an experience of some type. And man might seem to uh, his peers as thoughtful, friendly, benevolent, dedicated, uh, good, righteous, but is all still the, the works of the flesh. And the offering of the lost man are still dead and unacceptable before the living God. And this is so important to get this straightened out in our heart and mind. The direction of the lost mind is not towards God, of the, of the Bible, but towards the flesh. Now, again, what, whatever spiritually is dead is the direction of the carnal mind. So they may be wrong in their reasoning, in their reformation, in their rebellion, in self-righteousness, maybe reveling, uh, religion, reputation, uh, resistance, and revenge. So the third thing we see is the devotion of mind. I notice verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject to to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So man's sinful nature is dominated by his depravity. Uh, is suicide uh, spiritual? He opposes himself to his own damnation. Is a homicide spiritual? His influence is no, is no good spiritually for others. And it's his deicidal uh, suicide. Uh, if, if we were... Uh, boasting about man's power to annihilate the very being of God uh, of, of the Bible, they would. Because religious man does not want to know the God of the Bible. He rather, know, he rather has experience, whether it's infant baptism or his good works or maybe some kind of experience that he had in his life when he said, no, this is, I'm, I'm saved and I'm doing God's will. But the question, we have to be honest with ourselves. 
Now, this is something the Bible tells us in the parable of the sower. The Bible says you've got to have a good and honest heart. Now, you say, well, preacher, there's none good, no, not one. I understand that. I, I know that's what the Bible says. But Jesus also said you have to have a good and uh, understanding heart. You've got to be open. You've got to be transparent. You've got to allow God to work in your, your heart, your mind, your soul. And again, the idea is compare yourself to the scriptures. You know, the, the devil has all these different ways to deceive man. I mean, it's, it's amazing as you go through the scriptures. And these are 66 books that we've got to delve into and look into. But think about life in general. I mean, I've heard all the excuses that man has come up with, or many of them at least. People think they're getting to heaven because they go to a certain church. I know I told this a while ago. We were out door knocking one day, and I rang the door, but I, I, I'm not sure that they visited. I think they may have visited our church, or the wife did at least. And so the husband answered the door, and a big, beautiful home. I mean, it had a beautiful staircase that went up. And then on the, to the top where there's a looking down the ledge, and, and it was just beautiful, stunning. And so we were standing at the door, and we said, uh, well, sir, uh, I, thanks for visiting, visiting us, or whether his wife did her. But I, I said, thanks for coming. And then um, I said, where do you go to church? He said, oh, we're a very faithful church. I said, oh, hey, where do you go? He said, um, Honey? He said, what church do we go to? I, I can accept that. People forget things and so on. And so he said, yeah, we go there all the time. I said, okay. I said, who's the pastor there? Honey, what's that preacher's name? Well, you know, I, it was going south, but I kept it up. <laughs> My devious ways. And, uh, but anyway, you know, he, he, he didn't know church he went to, didn't know the preacher. He, he didn't know what they believed. You know, who knows what he was thinking when he d- did go there. But the idea is that that's man. And yet, if you ask what I did, I said, if you died right now, where would you go? He said, I'd go to heaven. So again, you, we've got to be honest with ourselves. We've got to be open. We have to be transparent. Does your life line up to the Bible? So, again, what proof do we have uh, of such an accusation when God sent his son Jesus to this earth and the Lord said, he that is not with me is against me. And if you're lost, you're against God. That's all there is to it. You say, preacher, no, I'm not against God. I'm for God. But but this is what Jesus said. Again, we have to consider this is what the Lord said. And the Lord is omniscient. He knows all things. He said, he that is not with me is against me. So there's no neutral ground to stand on. You're either with Christ or you're against Christ. Well, I'm not really against him. That's what Jesus said. Do you see how man justifies himself? How man will argue, how man, even if, he, if he's not saved, he'll say, I'm not against God. You are. The Bible says that. You say, well, I'm not against God. But if you're, ser- if you're not serving God, you're not, you don't know God, you have a false God, you're against God. 
I mean, it's what the Bible says. So, in John 15, verse 23, Jesus said, He that hateth me hateth my father also. So if, if you don't love Jesus, you don't love his father. And the idea that you have a false God instead of God of the Bible. In verse 18, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Now let's go back to John chapter 3, please. John chapter 3. And uh, notice verse 19. John chapter 3 and uh, verse 19. And the Bible says in verse 19, and this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world. Any man, uh, and, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest the deeds should be reproved. So here's the problem with unsaved men who are religious. And I say unsaved men, I'm talking about men and women young people and so on. If, if they're religious, they're going to justify themselves. So God tells again very plainly here in uh, verse uh, 20, he says, for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. So hold on a second. I'm, I'm not doing evil. Notice back in verse 19. This is the condemnation that light has come in the world and men love darkness rather than light because the deeds are evil. So again, you, you may have a profession, but that's, that's, what, that's not what God tells us, that we just have to have a profession. It's important how you think, important how you respond. It's important how, what you think of truth. And unsaved men will justify themselves to the nth degree. But let me tell you the, the, the problem with that, you're going to die and go to hell one day. I, that's, so, to me, it's so sobering that men are lost, that men don't know Christ. And they can even sit in a good Baptist church on this. And again, not take heed or justify themselves instead of submitting to God's word. In verse 18, or verse, uh, 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 chapter 8, verse 7, let's go back to chapter 8. And those verse 7, because the carnal mind... Uh, is enmity against God, for, neither, uh, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And that's the key. Are, are you subject? Do you su subject yourself to what God says? Do you obey his word? So lost men may have their religion. Lost men may have their rules, their rituals, their rights, and their restraints. But they do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And they have not subjected themselves on the rule of the Lordship of Christ. And notice verse 7, uh, the second part. God says, for is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So he, he states here, neither indeed can be. Why? Because the, the bottom line is lost men have not repented. Now they may have a profession, I'm not denying that. But the, the key is this. Salvation is a heart matter. It's a matter of the heart, the soul, the mind. And uh, Jesus tells us here, it's not whether you have a profession or not, it's how you live your life. If you're a true convert, you're going to live for God. 
Does that mean you're going to be perfect? Absolutely not. I'm not perfect. But there's going to be such a drastic change in your life because conversion is real. You know, I've heard guys speak. I really don't know what they're talking about, but I, oh, yeah. But they talk about a converting engine. Give me an example, Marcus, if you would, from what to what. So you increase the side, uh, size of the engine by and the block. What, is it an eight-cylinder converted or is it a six-cylinder converted? Okay. So and from 350 turns into what? A 396. So when, when you convert that engine, I know you guys don't get it, but I know you girls do. When you convert the engine... Can you unconvert it? No. You can't. It's a 392 and that's it. Or maybe it would it be a four something? Okay, even if you don't know what you're talking about, sounds great, Miguel. Right? So I, I buy it. Once a person's converted, there's no going back. Here's why. Because the Spirit of God lives in and there's no turning back. And lots of time, this is the very thing that's missing from people. They have the profession. I was saved in the state. I, you know, I know the time, the place, and so on. But their life never changes. Oh, I'm not saying it never changes. There's some changes. Maybe they're going to start coming to church regularly. Maybe they're going to be involved with the church and so on. But there's no conversion in life. And that's what's missing, the Spirit of God. So... Uh, let's continue on. Let's uh, turn to First John chapter five. First John chapter five, and uh, notice First uh, John five. We'll pick up here in verse nine. And this is a great chapter. Uh, for if verse nine says, "For we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which He hath testified of His Son." He said, verse ten. But he that believeth on a son of God hath the witness of, in himself, and he that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the rec- rec- record that God gave his son. And, and this is the record here in verse ten, uh, verse eleven. And this is the record, uh, uh, the record that God hath given us eternal life, and this life is in the Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So the, the Bible says here, if, if you, you're not going to believe God, then you're, you're saying, to God, you're a liar. That's quite an accusation. Let, let me boil that down for all of us. If you say, well, I don't believe God will save me, you're calling God a liar. Because God's not willing any, any should perish. But all should come to repentance. That's what God says. But you say, oh, no, I, I don't think God will save me. That's your loss. Because he, he wants to save you. You say, well, I don't think it works. I'm, I'm afraid of making a false profession. That's a lie. 
A downright lie is an excuse. He said, well, I am preaching. I'm worried about, all right, well, then go to hell. I mean, that's what you're doing. You're going to put it off, put it off, put it off. God's speaking in your heart. He wants to save you. But you're not going to be saved because you don't want to make a false profession. Look, I've said this too many times. If you're honest with yourself, you're not going to make a false profession. You're going to come clean with God. Amen. So these are excuses that men make. Again, notice verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath this witness himself. That's the Holy Spirit. And he that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave his Son. So what record did God give his son? First of all, that Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is sufficient for your salvation. What God requires. He said in Mark chapter 1, I think it is, repent and believe the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's what God says. No, I don't believe that. I don't believe that would be sufficient. I don't think that will take away my sins. But what do you believe in that? Say, preacher, I, I don't like this kind of preaching. Let me tell you something. You and I need this type of preaching. The one that drills down. The one that gets into your, uh, your uh, craw, if I can say it that way, whatever your craw is. But, you know, that's what God tells us. And that's what preaching is so important. It, it's questioning what you believe and how you believe it and why you believe it. And there's a lot of people out there who claim salvation who've never had salvation. Because their life doesn't line up with the Bible. Amen. So God tells in verse 11, he that, and this is the record that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in the Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. See what the Bible says, and then he says, verse 13, you can know. You can know. Now, let's go back to Romans chapter 8. And notice God says here, uh, in verse 6, he said, But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. This is good. So Jesus said, I've come to give life, eternal life. And he said, also abundant life. Now here's the thing, beloved. Too many times... People profess Christ, but they're constantly in ruts. They're constantly running to brick walls. Why? Because the Spirit of God's not leading them. He's not in control. He's, he's not given the, the mind to, to think right and to, to believe right. And so it's a profession, but it's not a biblical profession. And so notice he says, the Bible says here in uh, verse um uh, six, to be spiritually minded is life and what? Peace. Now, here's a good question. Do you have the peace of God? You say, well, sometimes. Well, it should be all times. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, what? Peace. The peace that passeth all understanding. The peace of God. To know that I'm right with God and then I have the peace of God. So, you know, these, these are good questions to ask. Again, the Bible says, He that believeth on the Son of God 
hath, made, hath a witness himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. So that's not a, a good thing to be uh, accused of, right? You don't want to call God a liar. And again, you know, you've got you to obey the scriptures. You've got to come to Christ. You've got to do God's will. In Romans chapter 14, verse 23, but uh, for whatsoever is not a faith is sin. The unsaved person cannot please God because they will not accept his salvation. And that's what God tells you. You've got to receive the gift of eternal life. Now, the arrogance, the pride of man is not taking God as word. The Bible says this over and over and over again, the importance of believing his word. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, um, just double check here. I know there's a, a first part of chapter six and verse chapter eleven verse six. So God tells us here, but without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So it, just think about it, regarding how old you are. You've never pleased God, never. I think you know because I attend church. No, that's not please God. I think because you know, I give an offering to the Lord, a tithe to the that doesn't please God. Now, God commands us we should do it when he saved the lost, but that's not pleasing God. And then he says, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that uh, he, he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. So the idea is that if you're looking for God, you're not going to have to look long and hard. You'll find him. Jesus said, if you seek for me with all your heart, you'll find me. Right? So, let's go back to our text, please. Um, so the Bible says, uh, they will, uh, the Bible says, uh, unsaved man cannot please God because they're not, uh, they don't have access or they haven't accepted his, or received his salvation. Now, they will not love the Lord Jesus Christ. And First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. Uh, anathema means accursed. That, that, that's a warning against anyone who does not love the Lord. There's a curse upon them. And then maranatha is an Aramaic term meaning our Lord come. Now perhaps this was Paul's appealing to the Lord to remove all these uh, professing Christians who did not love the Lord to remove them that they would uh, not bring a bad, continue to bring a bad testimony. And it's important there were good testimonies. Jesus said, you're light of the world. You're, you're salt. Again, there's no place for us to be bad testimonies. So the second thing we see, the spiritual change of the regenerate mind. And the desire of the regenerated mind, the Bible speaks of the things of the spirit, minding or, or setting their minds to spiritual things. In verse 5, notice the Bible says, For they that are after the flesh, the mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. And this speaks of a basic orient, or, orientation, uh, a beat, uh, and thoughts of the mind rather than one's intelligence. The idea that we receive uh, salvation through Jesus Christ, and as a result, we receive the Spirit. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. 
Now the desires of a true convert, one who received the Holy Spirit, is on the things of the Spirit. Their minds, uh, the mind, uh, the presence of God. Their salvation is in Christ. Their, their presence of sin. Uh, the New Testament Baptist Church. God's word, prayer, praise, prophecy, the blessed hope of our Lord's return. Being spirit-filled, witnessing, giving, serving, etc. And the desire of a regenerate mind is, is not to be found in him not having my own righteousness. Why? Be, because there's a new law. And the new law is the spirit of God. Then there is a new Lord. And there's a new life. Spiritual life. I have to tell you, beloved, you know, I was raised as an unsaved guy. I was, you know, I, I sinned before God throughout my teenage years. I mean, from the beginning, from my birth, I was a sinner. I had the Adamic nature. And I always had a bent towards evil. You know, were you a wicked kid? Well, according to the Bible, I was. By my neighbors, they thought I was a good guy. My classmates thought I was a good guy. But that's not what's important. What does God say? Amen? And so, again, it's it's not what man says. What, what does God say? And uh, then I was saved. I mean, I realized what I was. I was a sinner. I want to tell you this. I, I think it's important to, to let you know I wasn't willing to go to hell for anyone. I thought about my parents that night. My siblings, I thought about my girlfriend, who I married. You know, I, I wasn't going to go to hell for anyone. I wanted Christ that night. I wanted to be saved. I wanted to know, K-N-O-W, that I was saved, that I was forgiven. And so the, the Bible teaches, and I'll tell you, the, the heart's deceitful above all things, desperate, desperately wicked. So you think about man's heart condition. It deceives us. Now, may I say this? The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. I mean, there's an idea there that it's more deceitful than the devil. And we blame the devil for a lot of things. But our own heart deceives us. That's why we have to say, it doesn't matter what my heart says, what does God's word say? Amen. So, you know, once I feasted on the, the dead, the dying, the temporal. But now in Christ Jesus, I have new life and a new desire. So for me to change, I, I'll take some words of my wife, almost verbatim. After I was saved on the 14th of September... I went home uh, in October, early October, to, to get engaged. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't understand, you know, you know God's will, and God worked it all out. I praise him for it. But uh, Liz wasn't saved at the time. But she said, I could not believe, this is what she said, how, what a change in my life. He said, well, that's you, preacher. No, 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 no. Therefore, if any man... Therefore, any man, any man, any woman, any, any young person, be in Christ. He's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I was saying uh, less than a month. And so when we got, we got served, I remember going out one night with Liz, and we were eating pizza. 
What's new? And uh, I remember I said, well, let's pray. Liz was stunned. Stunned. I had, I had a work of God in my life that she could not deny. But see, that's the work of the Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He leads us. He helps us. He, he uh, gives us understanding, dis- discernment. And I wasn't perfect by any means, but I mean, there are certain things that changed. Absolutely. So I was home this summer before I got saved. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you, the that we, we, I probably blew about $500 because we went out to bars and we were drinking and all these things. And from, I think it was August till October, when I came home, I was a different man. Now, did I have a new religion? I didn't know about the Baptist, really. I started attending church there. But I didn't know where what Baptists believed, but I had the spirit. And because I had a spirit, I wanted to do God's will. And there was such a change in my life. And I don't think it's different than anyone. You, you know you've been saved and you've been converted. You've been raised to a new life. The new life in Christ. So we see the desire of the unregenerate mind. Number, verse 6, the direction of the regenerated uh, mind, life, and peace. Uh, spiritual life, peace with God, and the peace of God. Uh, notice um, verse 9, the Bible says, But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. The devotion of the regenerated mind because the Holy Spirit dwells in him. As oxygen is, a, uh, uh, is to mankind, so is the Holy Spirit to the regenerated man. We need oxygen. Well, the Bible teaches when we're saved, we need the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, you, the Bible says we're sealed. The moment we believe, the moment we trust in Jesus Christ, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit promise. Now, the Spirit of God will lead us to worship, to serve, to mature, to develop spiritually. And then the third thing we see and we'll see the spiritual caution to the regenerated mind. Now notice, if you would, verse 10 and 11. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken. Or make alive your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. So before I was saved, I was dead in trespasses and sins. I was controlled by sin. I lived for sin. But as I got saved, there was a, there was a new spirit. And uh, I now had a relationship with God. That's the difference. A lot of people have a relationship, but not necessarily with God. It's with a belief. It's with, uh, you know, uh, a church. It's with, you know, the fact that they, they profess salvation. But there's no real relationship with God. They've never made alive to Jesus Christ. So uh, there's been a change. And would our change pass the John the Baptist test? That's important. So what's the John the Baptist test? He, he, he told us, bring forth fruit, be for repentance. 
If, if you repented, let me see fruit. That's what John said to the multitudes, to the wealthy, to the poor, to the religious, to the non-religious. He said, bring forth fruit. Now, how can a person bring forth fruit? Because they have the Spirit of God. There's a change. And that's the key. You cannot, you cannot fabricate salvation without Christ. It's impossible. Thank you. So the Spirit of God will uh, make us to become vastly different than we are by nature. Now, there's a challenge. Notice verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. So we're not obligated to live after the flesh or live worldly lives. For the flesh has not helped us in any way. It's caused us condemnation and God's judgment. Our debt is, uh, is to the Lord and to him alone. And then notice verse 13, Paul says, For to, be, uh, to live after the flesh, ye shall die. But to, through the Spirit, to mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Now, there, there's, there's a caution here. And although we're saved, we still have the abiding sin, the sin nature. And we must be diligent, sober-minded, and mortify the, the abiding sin in our lives. So the Bible teaches that we're to live a resurrected life a new life in Christ. And you can't do this in the flesh. That's impossible. But you can do it through the Spirit. And this is what God's Word teaches. I, I hope that's been a blessing to you. And uh, we're going to get back in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 8, in the next service. Let's pray. Father.